0: You are listening to the Beyond the High Road podcast with Shelby Milford, episode number 54. Stay tuned. Welcome to Beyond the High Road. Hi, you guys. I am just finishing up the most delicious. I made this. You know, I get sick of my, you know, what I eat all the time, and then I get to this Place where every so often, it's every few months or so, every six months, nine months, where I'm like just eating for fuel and it's not at all really enjoyable. It's just something I have to do. If you guys live alone, which I love, I love, love, love living alone, but love it. When it comes to cooking meals, it kind of does suck because you know, it's just you. You know why. I do love when people come over, whether it's like my family or friends and I get to cook because then the home feels homier. So anyway, I had been on that kick where I was just so bored of making food. It was a hassle. You get the drift, right? Well, the other day, I was looking for recipes. I was like, all right, let me see if I can find anything. When you're in that spot where you're like, Man, no, nothing's out there, everything sucks. Just like when you were a kid and you were like summertime, there's no food in this house. While I was looking for recipes, I was like, what could I make? Cuban food being from Miami. So was, I've never really attempted to make like fried plantains and really any sort of Cuban food besides like black beans and rice, Right. So I found this recipe. It took way longer to make than the recipe said last night because there were so many different components to it. But you guys, it is like I'm looking down at it like with loving eyes right now because it's like partying my mouth every bite. So if any of you are sick of your meals too and you like this sort of thing, so good. Okay. So instead of black beans and rice, I did black beans and quinoa. And I made the quinoa with like extra stuff. So it doesn't taste so earthy because I don't love the taste of quinoa normally. It's Right. But I mixed it with black beans and I also cooked it with onions and stuff like that first, like a sautéed and not yet caramelized, but softened the onions and red pepper and then quinoa, black beans. And then I marinated the I cut the chicken up into little bite sized pieces and marinated it in a homemade mojo. So with like orange juice and garlic and you can look up homemade mojo and then in cilantro. And so I stuck that in the fridge just for like an hour and a half or so. And then I made fried plantains, which if you make it in like, I use coconut oil, people have differing opinions on how healthy that is, but I did a very thin layer on the bottom of the thing. So fried plantains. And then my neighbor, as far as neighbors go, he's he's like a buddy of mine. He had a bunch of ripe, beautiful, fresh papayas. So he brought over a papaya on Sunday. And so I used a whole half of papaya and made like... Kind of like how you would make a mango salad, but I made it with papaya. So I had a mango here and it's not ripe yet. And I was like, oh, I have the papaya. So it's, you know, cut up cubed papaya and then with lime and lime juice and cilantro and uh, a red chili pepper. And I diced that up. It's not too spicy. The one that I got anyway. anyway. And then I... After all that stuff was prepared, that's why it took me so long because you have different pots where our different pans were going all at the same time. It is kind of a pain in the butt the first time you make it, but now I think I could get into like a groove, like a rhythm with it. But then anyway, and so you cut up the chicken into bite-sized pieces before you marinate it, and then you just throw it and saute it. It is the easiest dish. It just happens to be that there are so many components because I made it into like a bowl. I don't know if you can see it. It is, you guys, like I said it's amazing. It's like a part of my mouth. Like I have revived my pleasure with food, right? I'm back. I'm resurrected. Oh, I was awful there for a while. I was just like, oh, I have to eat again. What am I going to make? I don't want a sandwich. I didn't want any of the stuff. And this just got me like, it's so silly how the little simple things can remind you of what's out there, you know? And that goes for pretty much anything, you know? And that can be for, I said out there, like for dating. Right. We think, oh, there's never going to be another person out there for me. I'll never go back in. I'm sure that when I decide to, which isn't now, that there are plenty. Right. And same for you if you're in that boat. It's the same thing with like anything we do. In fact, this is not really what I was going to talk about today, but I think it's what's going on with me. So I think it might be helpful to share it. So, what we're actually talking about today is going to be decisions, basically regret and dread. And then on another occasion, I'll end up doing self-doubt. All right. So this first one I'm going to share with you actually has everything to do with the dread part of this conversation today. Okay. So for my whole life, you guys, I'm distracted because I'm looking back at my (laughs) cats. Not a pretty sight. Let's see if I go like this. Okay. That was not fun for me, for sure. I'm still kind of distracted by it. Okay. So for my whole life, I have wanted a specific kind of car, particular make of car. It was really, it was in high school. In fact, maybe even earlier than that, because my mom had an MG when I was like a little, little girl. She had an MG BGT and it's like this car. It's, it's cute. It looks like a little Alfa Romeo spider. Anyway, it's a car that I've, for as long as I can remember, I wanted. And then a few years back, I was at the mall in Austin and I saw this car from like, you know i was way down the corridor right and i looked and i was like what is that car and i came closer up and it was an suv an suv crossover whatever and i it was an alfa romeo but not the spider obviously it was their crossover the stelvio and i needed to have it i so wanted this car i mean i wanted it so bad and at the time this was like 4 years ago i guess maybe something like that it had been a while at the time there was no way that I saw for me to have this car. In fact, what I was driving around was nothing close to this. This was a $60,000 car. I don't tell you this to be snooty. I'll, you'll hear in a second. And so I, I'd always wanted it. And so I put it on my vision board. Around that time, I'd, I'd Been a coach for a little while, but I was really still in the thick of it, still in a depression or like on my way emerging out of it, you know? So and I was living up in the house in the hill. And so I put this car on my vision board, on my wallpaper of my laptop, was smack dab in the middle of the collage. In fact, it's still there. But I knew that there was no way that I was going to be able to get it. In my mind, I was like, there's no way. Lo and behold, my lease is up on my other car, which was like a GMC, whatever. And I saw an ad on TV. And I called them. And the original price that these guys were quoting me was something astronomical that I could never afford. And I was like, forget this. This will never work. And then in dealings with them over like the next three weeks or so, I ended up getting, because of like the time, I think it was, you know, this is back in 2021 when there was low inventory on stuff and used cars were actually at selling at a real high and new cars were just not as high in demand. And so the deal that I got on this car, y'all, it was ridiculous, like dirt cheap. And I barely put any money into it, you know? So... I got this deal, once-in-a-lifetime deal, and I ended up getting the car of my dreams, the car that was on my vision board, smack dab in the middle of my vision board. And I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe the way that, you know, things work to your benefit if you just, you're willing to lean into it. And so the lease was for two years. That lease was up this last April, and I didn't want it to be up. And so I called the leasing agency and asked for an extension. They gave me the six months. And guess what, guys? That extension is now almost up. In fact, it's in less than two weeks. And guess what I haven't done? (laughs) I haven't gone car shopping at all. At all. And so it doesn't make sense. I did. I called the leasing agency just actually like a week ago, finally, just to see if it would make sense for me to buy it out because I love this car. I mean, I drove from Texas to here and the car still only has less than 10,000 miles on it. I don't drive very often. I work from home, right? And I live in a pretty much small town. You know, I don't go very far. Anyway, so the car is very well kept, but this particular brand of car or make of car does not appreciate well or depreciate well. It depreciates fastly. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't hold its value. So it just doesn't make sense to, to buy it, right? And I can't extend the lease anymore. The lease is done. And I've been dreading this very moment. And for six months since I extended it, really for like three months, because I extended it and I was like, whoo, dodge that bullet <laughs> temporarily. But I was like, sweet. I don't have to worry about that right now. And for the last three months, I have been ignoring it, dreading it, not wanting to do anything about it. I tell you this story because this is much like, I know for me, and I'm assuming for all humans, how we do when we don't want the inevitable to happen, or we don't want what we think our worst fear is to come to fruition. So what do we do? We stick our heads in the sand, right? We pretend it's not happening. And we just want it to go away. La, 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 la. right? And then, you know, hope that between now and then, doomsday, that something miraculous will happen and all of a sudden, poof, the car will be yours in my case, you know, in this case. But we do this too. like I did this many times in my situation of alienation when maybe a court date was coming up and I didn't want to think about it. So I didn't, especially early on in my custody situation. And this actually will tie into the later part of this episode, which is the regret. But so I would pretend like it wasn't happening or it wasn't upcoming because I just didn't have time to think about it. I just want to compartmentalize and make it sound like I'm doing something purposefully or like mindfully. Oh, I just can't think about that right now. Right now I need to focus on this, right? Which I think is a great strategy if you actually are going to go and take care of that thing, right before it happens, before it's it's the day, right in my case, with this situation, with my car situation, now it's to the point where I'm under the gun, and so I've got you know just less than two weeks to finagle my way into another deal. But when this whole time, the last two months, what I've been saying to myself is I don't want to deal with it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, these are like vague thoughts that are kind of like hanging in my head, weighing me down up there. That are like, you're not going to have a car. You're never going to get a deal like this again. The deal you had was amazing. You're not going to be able to afford the same level of luxury that you had. So now what are you going to get? Blah, 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 right? Poor me, poor me. And so instead of actively taking control of this car situation and of my life, really, and coming from a place of authority, I've been la la, la la, la, la la, and living in all of those awful fears. right? And so the funny thing about doing that funny, not funny, funny if you catch it first, not so funny if you don't catch it until it actually happens is that by listening to and believing... My fears and avoiding this inevitable due date of the car needing to be turned in by listening to my fears of you're never going to find anything. You're never going to find a better deal. This sucks. You're going to have to pay extra all this money up front to get something that you really want. All of those kinds of thoughts I will make happen, they will come to fruition because. If I keep going down this road, and I already have up until just, I think it's 12 days before I have to turn it in, I'm going to have less and less options the closer I get to the date of turn-in, right? If it's the day of turn-in and I go in there, guess what? This guy's going to know that I don't have any other options, and he's going to give me the blue book value for a new car, right? I'm not going to get any deal. So I am literally causing my fears to come true. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to get a good deal. Of course, I'm not going to get a good deal if I wait until the last minute and I have no other options besides taking an Uber home and being without a car. What was the other thought, fear of mine? You're not going to have a car. I'm making these things come true because I'm focusing on that confirmation bias. Our brains don't want to be wrong. And so it's going to find information and evidence to support what you're thinking on. I'm never going to have a car. That's right. Yeah. We'll just keep going like this and you'll get there. It doesn't, our brains don't think logically like, well, that would be a stupid thing to do. Now your prefrontal does, but this part of the brain, your subconscious, the part that's running you does not, there's no logic there. So it's going to, to, oh, no car, no car. This is how we do it. (laughs) We don't do shit until the day of, right? It's been two and a half years now in the making. So dread. The whole time I'm dreading this event. Let's just say for six months, I've been dreading, dreading, dreading. I mean, it's been longer than that. How much energy have I spent in dread? That takes a lot of energy, right? To have these fears popping up inside of you like whack-a-mole. And then you have to suppress them, push them back down. Pretend like they're not there and shut them into a corner of your body, of your mind. Be like, no, 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 we're not thinking about that. Let's focus over here. Do you know how much energy that takes away? And we wonder why we're so tired in the afternoon sometimes. You know, you're like, I woke up with all this energy. Now I'm exhausted. <laughs> or you wake up exhausted already, right? Because your night sleep was awful because you were subconscious just coming up with all these fears in your dreams. You just don't know. You know what I'm saying? The energy that we spend not acting or acting in ways that we don't want to because we're trying to avoid the thing that we're dreading. It's absolutely, it's asinine. It's ridiculous. (laughs) The lengths that we will go to, at least for me anyway, that I will go to, to avoid the dun-dun-dun and pending doom that I think is going to happen when logically I know that I will have another car if I get my ass in gear and start car shopping today. Instead of spending all this time reeling about it, I will get myself another car. I will be fine. Even if it wasn't a nice car, things are going to be okay, you know? But this dread the way that we think about it. Like every time I would go to my car for the last, I don't know how many months, since the beginning of this year, I would go to my car and my stomach would go, (laughs) oh, but I think this example is actually perfect to, I don't want to say trivialize, but show In a lighthearted way, what our minds do for all of our situations and the heavier topics too, right? Maybe you have a court appearance coming up, or maybe there are people that you need to call decisions that you need to make, and you're avoiding them. You're like, I'll do it later, or I'll just wait until something happens. This is the dangerous one, right? I'll just wait until something happens, and then that will make the decision for me. Fate. Fate will make the decision for me. This is very dangerous. And I do it a lot too. Okay. I used to do this especially with my not my daughter's father, the guy after that, you know, that that relationship. And I at the time was hurting so much because of what was going on with my daughter, which this guy, that relationship only made the situation with my daughter that much worse. It was really, really complicated and progressed the situation with my daughter and sort of aggravated my situation of alienation, staying with him. But in my mind, I was thinking that if I created a family for my daughter, that everything would be okay. And so I'd already invested so much time in this guy that I was determined to make it work. I was determined to to pour into this relationship and Somehow in my mind, the back of my mind, in my subconscious, somewhere, change him to be the person he was when we first started dating. We can get him back there. He's just on the wrong path, right? In my mind. But what I was doing there was wasting a lot of energy. But my point about this was when I was in that all that pain, I wanted to have faith and I wanted to trust that he was, things were going to work out. God wouldn't want me to be in this place, in this valley, in this dark, deep, dark place. So this relationship must be for a reason. And so what I would say is I'm going to trust. I'm going to be the good Christian wife who was going to trust that what happened happened for a reason. But then what that gave me the permission, if you will, to do was to sit in idle, just waiting and not making any decisions with regard to my situation of alienation. And we talk about regret. This is one place that I, if I look back on my my life and the decisions I made throughout this alienation, this is one area that I will tell you without a doubt that I, I do regret. I regret, I know I have compassion for myself. Like, I know that in that spot, I was truly, I was trying to, I everything in me doesn't want bring me to tears, but I was trying to do what was right and what was best for my daughter and for, for us, for my daughter and me, the situation, right? And so, although it was a very clouded view I had then, I know now that that version of me was, that's all I could see. And I was doing, I was trying to do Right. But now looking back, of course, I have so much more clarity, right? So much has happened and I'm stepped away from that situation. And I can look back and see where the error of my thinking was. The errors, many of them in my thinking were. My point of this is as far as wanting to sit back and allow things to run their course and how things fall, how the chips fall is how they should be. That's fate. And that is me giving my will up and letting things do as they should or as they're supposed to. And then I can take that and make a decision from there. To now looking back, I know that this was a misinformed route. I think for anybody, aside from alienation, like, oh, I just won't pay the electricity. And then if it's supposed to get turned off, it gets turned off. No, right? Of course that's going to happen. So, I don't think that that's the way to go in any part of our life with my car. Oh, I'll just see what happens. Maybe a deal will, this was a thought, is maybe a deal will just present itself to me. And then I'll know that that was the right decision. This was something I did often. Oh, well, I know that if I just keep on paying attention, something will present itself to me. It's something that like, I didn't think that this was going to be a long episode, but now that I'm thinking about it, there's a lot to say on this. It's something that like, back in those days, I was really leaning hard into my faith in hopes, not that you should or shouldn't, and I'm not saying there's any good or bad or right or wrong in this area. If you do not lean into your faith, faith by who and whatever you believe is God, it's neither here nor there for this conversation. But what I'm getting ready to say is I was really leaning hard into my faith at that time. And I was doing it in a way that was a little like, Misinformed, I keep wanting to say that and a little bit glorified in wh- where I was choosing to, to place my attention. I was looking more in the idealistic way. There was a particular person, Christian, non-denominational guy that would come on TV on Sundays and I would watch him. And based out of Houston, I'm sure you can figure out who I'm talking about, but The message that I got from him so much was, oh, well, God will always provide and he wants you to be rich and he wants you to have the good in your life and all of this stuff, right? And so I had this like, yeah, all right, I'm just going to let things happen. And as they present themselves to me, then I'll make the decisions. As if, if I look back on it now, as if I'm sitting in a throne somewhere and people are just going to come up and present a couple options and then I go, boop. And then the next person is going to come up and present themselves. And then I pick the next one and then it doesn't work that way. You know, nobody is going to come and make life happen for me. Nobody is going to make my decisions for me. Not the ones that I know that I can make with so much more expertise than for my own self. Do you know what I'm saying? Like to deliberately make your own decisions thoughtfully, mindfully, it's so it's a it's a much more empowering place to live, rather than I'll just wait and see what presents itself, that I'll know then that that is my path, right? It sounds pretty. It sounds like you are living a life of faith and knowing that things will work out in the end and la la la. And I don't mean to say that they won't, but I also don't think that this is the approach that we take when we are trying to rebuild and take charge of our lives. Yeah? This is a stance that somebody takes when things are going okay. When things are going fine and if something presents itself, then great. And if it doesn't, then I'm okay without it too. That's a great stance to take. But when we're making decisions about changing the way that our lives look to our own selves, changing what is unacceptable to us, what we're tolerating in our lives and what we're settling for and what we don't want to settle for anymore, this la-la attitude Does not work. It doesn't work. So my point of the first part of this is that making your decisions, knowing what your reasons are for making each, when you come to a fork in the road, you've heard me say this too. And I actually got this from one of my mentors, but you come to a fork in the road and you are deciding which way to choose. Make your decision based on reasons that you like, like your reasons for whatever you choose. Don't make your decisions based on like your emotions take you or do it because you're running away from something. Sometimes we'll just make a decision because we don't want to deal with the other thing. And that's an awful reason to make the decision if that's the only reason. So just like, I guess it's the same as the road less traveled, right? It may be rockier and may cause a level of discomfort to make the decision, the one that you believe in, to make that decision more often than not causes some discomfort to think about the hurdles that you might have to clear in getting to the end result. But if that's the decision that you know your gut is telling you is the, is the correct one for you at this moment, then take that one. When you get to each one of those hurdles, each one of those little baby decisions along the way, know and trust that you will be able, you have the capability to complete a leap each one of those hurdles with plenty of clearance, okay? So sometimes we have to break up the big decisions by like making that decision. We wanna do that. And there's gonna be a lot of little decisions along the way, and that's okay too. I will cross each one of those as I approach them. But always like your reasons for decisions for whatever it is that you are embarking on, right? Whichever way you turn, okay? So whatever it is that you're dreading, you're usually only dreading because there's other decisions to make around it. For me with the car, well, in order to make an educated decision, I need to go and find break it up into little tasks. I need to find out whether I'm going to lease with the same same car maker or if I'm going to go to a different one. Am I going to sell my car and then use that as a down payment and pay off my loan? Do I have enough equity or do I not? Do I want to just turn it in or turn it back into the dealer and stay with that brand? Do you know what I'm saying? Like these little decisions will make the bigger decision much easier to make. But when it's super vague and you're like, I'm like, I have to go turn my car and what am I going to do? Leaving that up in the air is the worst thing that you can do. And I trust me, in my experience, I know this like firsthand, like clearly happening right now. I know that I can actually make these little decisions. I'm capable of it. I am more than capable. But if I don't make these decisions for myself, guess what? Something or somebody else will. And I definitely don't want that, right? I don't want to get to the point where it's the last day. And my only choice is to turn it in back into the dealer, right? That is no that is unacceptable to me. And when I'm honest with myself, now it took me a while for me to get here. But when I'm honest with myself about that, like, what am I fearful of? And what am I going to, what's going to happen if I continue on this road of ignoring? Well, I'm going to make that come true. So how can I solve for it now? Okay. So you want to make the little decisions that lead up to the big one, if you can beforehand, or make the big decision and then know that you'll be capable of making the little ones as you go, if there's no way of dealing with those now. So dread is done. If you are in indecision and you're in a place where you're like, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll just wait and see if something comes to me. That is the worst spot. Keep moving instead of staying stagnant and waiting for something to happen. And then that will show you the way to go. This is a very passive way to live. And you'll find that this is something that you will regret later. Okay, And maybe even cause you shame, a lot of shame later for not taking more action, right? We always, you know, we hear, I screwed this up on on one of the previous episodes a while back. I said the opposite, but you never hear anybody on their deathbed saying like, damn, I should have lived less. You know, I should have done less. I should have acted less, made less decisions. We never hear that. People are always saying, man, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have decided, made the decision and gone and taken the risks to better myself, to be with people, to connect in more better, been more present and connected on a deeper level, right? That is what we hear about. And so when you're making decisions, think about it that way. Will I regret the decision to do or not do this decision in five or 10 years from now? Always. That's the way that I do also, like, especially if you're just learning to, not drink or not over anything in your life, the the day that you want to do the habit, like if you get a craving or an urge, the question I always encourage my clients to ask themselves is, tomorrow, will you regret not doing it? Think of future you and what he or she would really want for you to do. That's really the simple answer for it, is think of you one, five, 10 years down the road, looking back the more evolved version of you, what would they want you to do? Okay, that's, and you, if you get to a quiet spot, you'll know what your answer is. And you already usually do if you're in a place of indecision right now, you know, because it's the answer that you kind of maybe either keeps you awake at night or maybe is one of the first things that you think about when you wake up in the morning. But yeah, there's like a quiet voice inside of you that's like, this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. And that voice will not be talking out of shame. That voice will not be like, you need to do this. You should know better. It's not that tone. It's the quiet, confident voice, right? Sure voice. That's like, this is what you need to do, you know? So there's that. Also, I think regret can be a very useful tool, a very useful emotion. If you're learning something, if you're taking whatever it is that you are actively regretting and you're able to then make, Amendments and changes in the way that you behave today. Okay. I think it's very useful. What's not useful is if you shame yourself and punish yourself about the thing that you regret. Okay. Oftentimes we don't make that distinction. There is a fine line there of using regret to grow you, to alter your now and future footsteps. You learn, okay, I did that and that did not help me at all. And now, I'm going to try a different way. Just like I was talking about with my situation with my daughter and with the guy I was with where, you know, I have compassion for that me today. It would be, and it was easy for me years ago to really shame myself and God, how come you didn't see like, what is wrong with you? And to take on almost the voice that I heard in court when I was being cross-examined, when I was being looked at with like, you know, contempt. And so that is definitely not the answer for me. And so I've even learned from that, right? And I know now that I can I can put myself back in that spot, and I I felt I can feel today the desperation that I felt back then in wanting to create an environment for my daughter that was supportive and loving and this family that I was trying to create for her. I know what I was doing. And so my heart was in the right place. It's just that my mind was so clouded with trauma, really, you know? And so I know that now. And so I don't have to shame myself like I once did a lot for a long period of time. I really did. But so, yeah, so I mean, so I can learn from the mistakes that I made back then. And now I know, too, that making decisions from an, a very active, authoritative, from my own life, you know, place provides me with the most satisfaction. I feel accomplished, you know, that I am intentioned and confident in my own knowledge and expertise on my own life and what I know is right for me today. And being able to take charge in most cases, other than my car here. It's so funny. I was laughing at myself because I'm like, you know, I coach people all day long about making decisions and about being honest about what's in front of them and taking responsibility for their lives. And here I am (laughs) with this car situation doing the same thing that I coach my clients to not do. So anyway, I thought it was funny, or maybe I don't coach them to not do it, but to coach them through it so that they're making decisions with all of their decisions from a place of empowerment. And I was doing the exact opposite of that. Right. And I wasn't making a decision. And I was hoping it would just go away, disappear, poof, into, I don't know. And all of a sudden, you know, cars would what drive up to my driveway and present themselves to me. I don't know what I was thinking, but it wasn't going to work. I was literally on the pathway to making all of those fears come true. So, anyway, I hope that this helps somebody. Decisions, make them is really <laughs> what I've got for you. Make them, make them. And anytime that you are, in dread it's just because you're telling yourself that either you can't handle it that the result is going to be awful that you really it's just boils down to you can't handle it and you're not going to be able to overcome it but i just want to just encourage you to break that down what can't you handle ask yourself what can't you overcome what is it you think is going to happen And is it possible that by sticking your head in the sand, you will make that thing that you fear come true? This is amazing to look at because many, 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 many times, in fact, I, I venture to say almost all of the times, by avoiding it, you will make that fear come true, okay? So make the decisions, even if that means that you make little ones to get to the big one, okay? Don't avoid them. And don't expect, well, I mean, you can, I guess, if you want to, but I would like to offer that you don't expect things to options to just come and present themselves to you as you go, because that just is an excuse for you. And I do it too. So I don't mean to point fingers, but that's just an excuse for you to stay passive and and, and inactive and your life will pass you by and you won't make any of those decisions. Okay. And if decisions are made, they won't be made by you. They will have been made by the alienating party or somebody else that you don't want making your decisions. And this is it. Who do you want to be making the decisions in your life? I know that you don't want the alienator or possibly even your children to be making these decisions for you, okay? And so please start making those decisions. Please, I beg you, you don't want them making your decisions for you, okay? You are the expert in your life. You can make the most amazing things happen for you if you just apply yourself, I promise. So we're gonna be talking about very soon, I think maybe next week we'll be talking about self-doubt to back this episode up. Okay. All right. You lovelies. That's for my dads and for my moms out there. I love you guys. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And don't forget to rate and review. Please, please, please. Hey, for those of you who have been looking, can't find where to actually submit the review. If you're on Apple podcasts you have to scroll down you're in the main sh- the show page like beyond the high road and you have to scroll like past where you see all of the episodes listed you know scroll down like maybe i think they show you like five of the most recent episodes and then once you get down to the to the bottom of that page there will be this tiny little purple with the underlined saying write a review it's tiny like you could miss it for sure people miss it all the time but yeah it's it's there just says submit a review or write a review or something like that just scroll down it's there okay guys have a wonderful and you guys also you know what in just two weeks actually i think on the date that my car needs to be turned in two weeks will be our year anniversary one whole year it's the day that i turn my car in and have a new shining beautiful new car hopefully anyway all right talk to you soon Thanks so much for listening today, guys. I'm honored that you chose to share your time with me. If you like what you've been hearing and you want more, come join me in the new monthly membership where we take the concepts that you hear about here and using a logical framework, you learn to apply them to your specific situations, upgrading your thoughts and your life, even while experiencing the grief of alienation. For more information, go to beyondthehighroad.com. See you soon.